The forest tradition as a challenge to the modern world. This is a talk being given, uh, especially uh, to be transcribed and sent to an organization in Thailand who want, who've invited me to give, to submit a paper to be published in a book celebrating uh, the great uh, Thai uh, teacher Ajahn Sulak Shibarak, uh, which will be published next year. And this um, <coughs> this is a subject that uh, I was asked to to talk about because of uh, the, our relationship as forest monastery following the forest tradition of Northeast Thailand. And this uh, tradition is, is, has been a very pure uh, tradition that has been kept alive through many centuries, emphasis on uh, living very simply and in harmony with nature. So first of all, in the forest tradition, uh, the importance of learning to be one who's content uh, with little, who's, uh, who makes oneself dependent on the forces of nature, trusting in the, the very goodness uh, and the uh, um, quality of goodness uh, and kindness that is natural to the human state. So that when the Buddha established uh, this tradition, this uh, idea of the bhikkhu, the alms mendicant, uh, living in the forest, the idea was to to live in a, in a setting where nature is still fairly untouched, uninfluenced, uh, and has not been corrupted by the desires uh, and uh, ignorance of humanity. Uh, and this, and so the idea of living at the root of a tree, the idea of living with what is natural, what is produced through the forces of nature rather than that which has been manipulated and bent and arranged according to human desire. And this, uh, when bhikkhus, uh, when the Buddha advised uh, us when we first ordained to go seek uh, this kind of situation, to leave the, the village life, the city life, uh, in order to remove ourselves from those very strong influences that tend that have uh, influenced our our development so far, uh, in the fact that the family, uh, the ethnic tradition, the cultural tradition, um, the the pressures of the family life, the pressures of village and city life, all these. Uh, have an um, enormous influence on human consciousness. So the idea was to, uh, at first, uh, to go into the forest in order to to live there uh, close to what is just uh, normal and natural uh, and has not been influenced or corrupted or distorted uh, in any way by uh, cultural attitudes or by family values or uh, the... Um, uh, pressures of modern life. <clears throat> so in the development of Buddhism over the years, this monastic tradition has, has uh, adapted itself uh, in various ways to various cultures. Uh, and then in the northeast of Thailand, of course, it, it has kept itself quite uh, pure and, and very much like the, uh, probably like it was uh, at the time of the Buddha, 2,541 years ago. Uh, it's important to recognize that 
uh, in the the English word for nature, as we translate it into the Thai language, it, it comes out as dhamma. So this, uh, we're what the uh, the the dhamma is the truth of the way things are, and so when we uh, say live close to nature, we're we're living uh, in a way that is. It's harmonious with the way things are, the natural forces, the changing uh, of the seasons, the the day and night, the 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 natural movement uh, of time and the the natural conditions in the place that we're in. Uh, we're learning to listen to, to open to, and to adapt our life uh, according to those rhythms. The monastic life is also very much based on restraint, on fewness of needs, so that our life is to to live in a way that we we don't demand anything. We don't. Uh, we're not taking anything more than what we basically need for survival. So, in this respect, we have the four requisites as our standard: the a root of a tree for dwelling, uh, as a basis for reflection. Of course, these. Uh, can we can accept better accommodations than this if offered, but if not offered, then we uh, content ourselves with uh, the root of a tree, or with the uh, bangzakula cloth, the robes, the cloth that is um, rejected by the villages, villagers or the lay community, the rags, the, the the cloth that nobody wants, that people throw away, the bhikkhu. The Buddha gave permission for bhikkhus to use this kind of cloth to make robes, but if offered something uh, that was better, as lay people will tend to do to try to offer you uh, very nice material, we can also accept that. But the standard is always on this very low, this very basic uh, quality or lack of quality, such as root of a tree, rag robes, alms food, which is the food that people put into your bowl, the bindabata. And the medicine, uh, basic medicine uh, it, that the Buddha allowed to reflect from is uh, fermented urine, which is is a very ancient remedy for sicknesses. Uh, and so these are, <coughs> say, the four requisites that we that the Buddha allowed, and we, um, because these are necessary for survival and for li- life. Uh, in the on this planet in this world the the buddha was not an ascetic so he didn't say you have to live on this low standard as uh, but this low standard is for reflection meaning we we this is what we can always resort to uh, we can always uh, go on bindabat and and make ourselves available for alms food or we can, if we don't have any cloth for robes, we can always gather the refuse rags. Uh, we can uh, always uh, find uh, some suitable shelter, such as root of a tree, if, if no other accommodation is made available to us. And if no other forms of medicinal substances are made available, then the uh, fermented urine is what we can use. Uh, and so this gives us a sense of, of a standard uh, that is that is not based on the modern standard of a high standard uh, of life, where uh, a high standard of material conditions that that we must uh, spend our time trying to to support by say modern 
materialism, uh, the free market economies tend to always try to raise the standards for everybody so that we keep uh, wanting more and more, getting more and more, where the monastic form is to be content with what we get because the basic standard that was allowed is at a very low level. Restraint also is something that uh, learning to, to live within limitation rather than just follow impulses and and habits that one has acquired so far. We have a, a discipline, a sense of, of restraint in regards to action and speech that we try to practice, try to live, try to reflect from this standard of morality, uh, which is... Uh, the basis for spiritual development, to develop that sense of being responsible for what we do with our bodies, how we use our bodies, not to use them for uh, causing harm to others, for stealing or for uh, exploiting or misusing or destroying or doing things that are, are disruptive, divisive and harmful uh, with intention to refrain from this. Uh, to be responsible for our ability to speak so that what we say, uh, the words we use, the, the messages we give, uh, our, our intention is to use speech in the right way so that we're not misleading, not exaggerating, not uh, telling white lies or using speech in any way to harm or insult or... Uh, uh, hurt someone else. So in uh, developing um, this this life in the forest tradition, the um, idea of, of being, living in harmony with nature, of being someone who has fewness of needs, whose needs are very basic, who has relinquished uh, uh, their need for a high standard of living, and who has taken responsibility uh, for how they live uh, in terms of action and in terms of speech, then the, this this gives us the the necessary um, direction and, and and quality of life that is associated with the samana, uh, with the alms mendicant, one who renounces and and res uh, and gives up the right to have personal wealth and property and the power that comes through uh, wealth and, and position and property. The, the monk or the bhikkhu represents the, the, the mendicant who's dependent on the kindness, the generosity of humanity in general. And this, I think, is a very important uh, uh, thing at this time to, to reflect upon, to, to appreciate that the Buddha saw that Human nature basically is very good. Uh, we we aspire. We we are to to be good. We love the good, and when we live in a way that is worthy of respect, when we're not demanding, uh, we're not uh, causing uh, disruption or destruction or division within the the community or the society, then this creates a, a sense of trust and a sense of respect in which the basic requisites are usually uh, given uh, with great joy and, and, and uh, with, 
generosity that is quite uh, a basic human um, ability that we we love to share what we have we have uh, we really long to to help that which is good and to to be associated with that which is moral something that is trustworthy uh, that is not greedy that is not uh, disruptive or destructive then also um, the practice of meditation is the is the um, aim of of the Buddha to develop this awareness, this mindfulness and awareness and wisdom in regards to the flow of experience that we have within these uh, restraints, within this structure, within this uh, moral boundary that we've chosen to live within. Uh, And therefore, mindfulness is the ability to pay attention to bring into consciousness the way things are, to to awaken and notice, to observe, uh, to witness uh, the the conditioned world as we're experiencing it. So the the awakened state of mind, the ability to to pay attention in the present moment, uh, is what we call awareness, sati and mindfulness. Sampachanya, awareness, panya, wisdom. These words are, are very unique and very significant to uh, the Lord Buddha as his kind of basis for the holy life. So this is the Buddha, meaning the awakened one, means this implies, that this, this says itself very directly what the point of it is, to awaken, to observe, to pay attention within the uh, chosen restraints and boundaries that we that we that we have uh, for example the monastic life can never be forced on anybody it, it would only be a tyrannical experience if someone forced someone to become a monk or become a nun and to live within these moral restraints um, but because the, uh, the then the Buddha encouraged, those to seek to ask to be received into the order to to uh, they have they go through a ceremony where they have to ask three times to be considered and to be allowed to enter the monastic sangha <coughs> so then it's a a choice that someone makes freely and independently not forced on one because a life uh, of moral restraint of vinaya, of vinaya, and of uh, where you're relinquishing uh, the rights over all the worldly conditions, such as wealth and power and property. Uh, this has to be done through one's own sense of what is right, and and to be chosen uh, each one for themselves. This. Um, This simplification, this is a simplification uh, of life, the monastic form, uh, the moral base, uh, so that the uh, determination to to do good, uh, to refrain from doing that which is evil or not good, uh, this gives, and, and having clear references, uh, clear structures to work with uh, uh, as a moral base, uh, 
helps us to reflect on our own character tendencies. We're able to observe the the tendencies we have toward, say, uh, the way we uh, our emotional habits, uh, our, our vanity, the sense of ourself, the um, immaturity, and the selfishness, the the um, desire uh, habits that we've acquired are then reflected in in our uh, as we as we live our life and the various conditions arise and temptations arise opportunities arise to uh, do or to act or to say or to think uh, according to the worldly values and the um, fashions of the time or the 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 people that we're with we have something to refer to in terms of what is what is, what is allowable what we can do within the boundaries that we've chosen and what we cannot do or cannot say uh, according to that. Um, if you don't have any any structure to work with, if you have no moral precepts and made no commitment then uh, to uh, these precepts or to some kind of discipline and uh, sensory restraint, then of course it's, it's much more difficult to... Uh, <coughs> be aware of, say, one's motives or one's uh, habits as they arise, because uh, life as, as an experience, uh, it, it tends to, uh, you know, one, one feels differently or one has, is in a different mood or different conditions arise at, uh, at the same time and, and various things happen and there's various contingencies, surprises and uh, experiences uh, that we more or less uh, react to and, and have no way of, of having much perspective on other than just reactions uh, that are usually based on habits. But as a commitment to a, a structure uh, that is very basic and very simple and very clear, then uh, we can also see get, uh, get a good reflection on, on our own fears, our rebelliousness, our stubbornness, uh, the sense of self-importance, uh, the the way we react to pressures or to stress or to success or failure, praise or blame, um, happiness and suffering, and the uh, these these worldly dhammas, then we begin to get some handle on, be able to see see them in terms of what they are in that present moment. Because the the um, purpose of this uh, practice is to be able to observe the the nature of conditioned phenomena as impermanent. We see the characteristic uh, the characteristic of impermanence of anicca as uh, whatever arises ceases, and that we're uh, encouraged to observe this flowingness, this changingness of our emotional state in the present or thought process or the physical world around us that we experience through the eyes, uh, the ears, nose, tongue and body, um, this ability to stand back or to observe, to witness to the changingness of conditioned experience, whether it's good or bad, pleasant or painful, whether uh, the 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 attitude is one of success or of failure or 
we're being uh, praised or we're being blamed for something, uh, the uh, mindfulness and awareness uh, aligned with wisdom allows us to see and to to observe and to uh, not attach to these conditions as as we happen to feel them or experience them in, them in the present. <clears throat> it gives us it gives us the ability to detach from experience to be able to to not just be caught helplessly uh, in in the in the reactivity to these conditions, but uh, gives us the confidence and the ability to to reflect upon it, to observe what suffering really is, what the sense of a self, the ego, vanity, uh, the um, worldly uh, habits that we have, we're able to to be able to bear with them uh, as they happen to exist in the present because our refuge is in this awareness of them as change rather than in some kind of uh, uh, moral judgment or value judgment placed upon our own thoughts or our own emotional uh, experiences of the present time, the present moment. Uh, this is, this of course, uh, I, this type of practice is is relatively new to the Western mind. The idea of of um, mindfulness or or an awareness uh, as something that that uh, is possible for us, because usually we're the in our modern minds, our Western or say the the attitude of of uh, societies both. Uh, uh, Asian and European, uh, Eastern and Western, the the tendency is always to be highly conditioned uh, and very caught into the the uh, cultural conditioning, the social conditioning that you get, uh, that's instilled in you, ingrained in you from the early years of your life, and which uh, it tends to influence how you are going to uh, live the rest of your life, how you're going to interpret experience and and see yourself uh, in, in according to that the kind of conditioning you've acquired uh, in those innocent years when you had no choice in the matter you merely uh, took what was going you didn't you didn't choose it um, but in the practice of mindfulness uh, awareness and wisdom then, uh, all of these uh, conditions, whether they be skillful or unskillful, good or bad, uh, mature or immature reactions, are seen in terms of what they really are, uh, as impermanent, as as um, the condition is, is this continuous flowing change. There's nothing, there's no real essence or core to any of it. It's It's merely... The, the condition of the moment as it happens to be, uh, and that it is an unsatisfactory state. There's nothing that uh, that holds it or or sustains it other than uh, our grasping of it, our believing in it, uh, and that uh, the, what we believe ourselves to be, what we are conditioned to uh, see ourselves as being, is is not true. It's not. We're not any of those. Emotional habits, thoughts, perceptions, 
conditions that uh, we generally uh, identify with. So once this, this illusion is broken through, this ignorance of the way things are, uh, and that uh, that give us this sense of uh, anxiety and worry, stress, uh, um, this uh, that 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 uh, impel us toward uh, uh, wanting to control, wanting to manipulate our lives or the lives of others, the need for wealth and power in order to feel safe and secure, to feel like one is a successful person or somebody of importance, to to uh, fulfill one's need to be respected and raised on high, uh, and the fear of losing, of, of not having, of being someone who uh, is looked down on and despised, uh, all these, these kind of uh, emotional uh, conditions are then observed as the pre- uh, as they arise and as they cease, we're also uh, noticing that they cease, that the, that what arises ceases. So this cessation of conditions gives us this insight uh, to let go, that to not attach, to be able to uh, trust and rest, and to um, have the confidence in the ability to simply observe uh, and bear with the uh, present moment as it happens to be in whatever quality, whatever uh, quantity, uh, whatever uh, condition it might be, good or bad, right or wrong, the awareness transcends the condition itself. In order to sustain this ability and to trust in it, of course, we... (coughs) We need faith uh, in, in, in ourselves. We need to trust in our ability to do this, to be an awakened being. Not to be a personality who identifies with, with mindfulness, but to trust in the very simple ability that every human being is capable of to pay attention, to listen, to, to in that pure state of awakened awareness in the present, and to trust it. Uh, and this state is uh, is quite normal and quite natural to us, but uh, when w- our conditioning it tends to draw us away from this toward a an idea of attainment of achievement uh, of of doing something now in order to be fulfilled and be gratified and be uh, successful sometime in the future. So that the the tendency, say, of of um, worldly life, the modern world, is very much one to to do something now in order to get something uh, sometime in the future. And um, th- what we are now uh, as a personality is usually seen uh, through so many people uh, through the critical mind is that there's something wrong. We're not. There's something wrong with us now that we've got to change in order to become this enlightened or this better personality or successful person in the future. So we we seldom feel much contentment or gratitude for what we have, for who we are, for the good things of our life in the present, because uh, what we have now, we can always uh, we tend to 
see as, uh, well, we can have better than this, or, or we want something more, or better quality, or uh, that uh, we ourselves uh, need to improve ourself, uh, oneself, to make oneself better, or more skilled, or more clever, uh, or more pure, um, or even more moral, or whatever, uh, however we regard ourselves, that, that self-view will always create this illusion that success and enlightenment, fulfillment, always lies in the future. And so even in the holy life, as long as this illusion is never recognized and never noticed, the sense of oneself uh, uh, through perceiving ourselves, uh, through the personality view, through the uh, identification with the mental states uh, that we've acquired after our birth, uh, the basic conditioning of the mind that that uh, is uh, sometimes never questioned, never never recognized as being that, but is the very basis of how we interpret experience. This, this is happening to me. Uh, I am this body. I am this person. I am... Th- this condition, I am this male body, this female body, I am a, this nationality or this race or this this kind of person uh, seems to be a very convincing condition that uh, is uh, uh, that is oftentimes uh, for most for, say for most people the the very basis uh, that they operate from their kind of modus operandi they, they never question that that very assumption and uh, they never then therefore they never get beyond it and that's always the very thing that influences and uh, distorts the experience that they're having in the present so in order to free oneself from this uh, then this uh, the Buddha uh, encourage this awakened state of mind, a moral base, and uh, and and in order to establish uh, the conventions in regards to the material world, the social, the, to the society that we live in, to the uh, material uh, world around us, in order to re- relate to it and and re- respond to it uh, in a skillful and uh, compassionate and generous way uh, and then but then also to be able at the same time to to be able to observe what we are actually feeling which may not be kind or generous or moral in the present which might be uh, a sense of of uh, resentment or anxiety or jealousy or fear uh, that we emotionally can be experiencing uh, in the present, in which we tend to uh, tend to uh, reject or deny or or believe to, uh, that it is, uh, you know, we're, this is the the truth. This fear, this jealousy, is is really me. Is really a very important, and and then we we give it uh, a sense of self uh, aligned with it, and then it becomes a personal problem. It becomes an issue. It becomes an enormous thing in our lives, uh, which we have to either uh, follow and uh, and act upon, or try to resist and get rid of. 
So, even under the most uh, generous and and abundant conditions, in say in Western in the Western world where we have say uh, a stable governments and and economic affluence and and social stability and, and all kinds of of uh, very uh, say uh, good uh, conditions around us that we're not just on the battlefield trying to survive or just uh, living life on the, on the edge of survival we we can take an enormous lot we can take a lot for granted in our lives in countries like this and in England for example it's easy to just take everything for granted because we don't really have to struggle that much to survive or or exist in a fairly comfortable or fairly uh, affluent style and so we then we can uh, if we have no uh, uh, other interest other than just uh, trying to prove ourselves uh, on the personal level on the uh, through the desire to for praise and power and success and and respect and that then of course we we do not uh, we cannot um, We cannot then we can only reinforce these <clears throat> already ingrained habits and and um, spend the rest of our lives just uh, going along with the basic illusions without transcending. Also, uh, not transcending them and being someone who can operate from the spontaneous present, from the uh, wisdom ability to to know things as they are, and to uh, be able to live life in a way that is uh, um, fulfilling for oneself, and also uh, in a way that that helps, that is a benefit to the uh, society, to the Natural world around us, the animal kingdom, the the forests, the trees, uh, the oceans, uh, rivers, the streams, and all the rest. So, humanity, uh, as long as we do not awaken, if we just operate, if we just live our lives uh, from the uh, set of conditions uh, that we acquire, <coughs> and that we uh, never get beyond, but uh, that influence us. Throughout our lives till death, then uh, there's very little hope that the, the human race can be of any benefit whatsoever to a planetary life, or or the or we can only see ourselves maybe as some kind of pollutant uh, and plague, as some kind of um, vermin that that inhabit this planet and merely tend to destroy and corrupt. So it, it, one, it's easy to to develop a kind of pessimistic, negative uh, attitude when you look at the the uh, seemingly uh, innumerable and insolvable problems and difficulties and misunderstandings and crises, wars uh, that uh, seem to uh, be occurring all the time. And we hear in the daily news, we we've uh, we, when we read history, we see just a, an endless sequence. Uh, an ongoing 
sense of conflict and dissatisfaction, exploitation, uh, and um, uh, terrible and atrocious acts performed by human beings uh, because of this basic delusion, this this sense of themselves, this attachment uh, to ign- to the uh, conditions that they've acquired through ignorance uh, and have not transcended, then uh, we're merely victims of circumstance. So this is where religion steps in, where the aspiration, religious aspiration, uh, is what... Uh, uh, um, why the, the, one of the the, uh, the special qualities that humans have is this sense of the divine, of something transcendent, something beyond just the conditioned world uh, and the immediate uh, problems of one's own self or society or family. Uh, that there is a higher force or there is uh, um, a supreme deity or, or there is a whatever words or uh, con- conceptions one might use or symbols that one might prefer, what this is pointing to is uh, what I would call aspiring, the aspiration of human, of the human heart, which in- intuitively recognizes there's more to life than just the, the basic conditions we've acquired and the uh, material world uh, that tends to proclaim itself as uh, the well, you know the the real world in this at this time and in uh, uh, of course the buddha uh, his approach to to this problem uh, and to this and to fulfill this aspiration was to point directly to the basic state of ignorance uh, the the uh, the very point in the present moment, uh, the, the basic delusion uh, that the human mind tends to to uh, never question. And so this uh, emphasis on insight, on mindfulness, on, on awareness uh, it allows uh, the human individual to uh, start looking more deeply into the experiences here and now. Uh, rather than analyzing them, according to find out causes that that stem from outside, or operating from the basic assumption of a of an ongoing and permanent personal self, uh, we we let go of any any kind of positioning or any kind of ideas or, or any kind of doctrines, and begin to recognize the state of emptiness or the where the mind is free the heart is 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 not conditioned where there's the, the sense of pure being pure intelligence pure awareness <clears throat> the uh, the state of attention and awakeness that is the uh, definition or the the terms that that describe uh, the word buddha so this uh, is what we, this is say when we talk about Buddhist meditation, the it's very direct in the, in in, the, in that way. It's not to attach to ideas of Buddhism or Buddhist doctrines and then try to uh, uh, and establish Buddhist doctrine as the basis for interpreting an experience, but by investigating 
uh, in ter- uh, uh, experience as it is in the present. And so this is, uh, and in order to do this, then we have to use this natural state of awakeness that is not something that we we never do or or that we're always asleep and we're never awake. The fact is that we. Uh, when we we are awake, it, if we don't really appreciate it, we we tend to uh, uh, not be fully uh, aware <coughs> uh, uh, and of the value of that natural state because of the the um, still the the assumptions we make about the future, about the past and the future. So so this whole sense of time uh, as the as reality is 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 questioned the, the sense of a of an ongoing permanent person's personal unique self is questioned is investigated and in that state of investigation of looking into of insight uh the the perceptions of time uh, and personality uh, as reality begin to fade out, begin to fall apart because uh, when, we, when we really look at them and observe them uh, they, then they have no reality in themselves they are perceptions of the mind, their attitudes their assumptions their uh, conditions that, that uh, are just like any other that are impermanent uh, they can only lead to if we if we do not question them and we do not get beyond them, then our experience of life is always there's always something wrong. There's a sense of suffering and dissatisfaction and discontentment with with life. And then, of course, the the um, the, the basic uh, assumptions of a self uh, are never we're never liberated from those until we uh, through through just uh, the uh, on the, until we break through that illusion, but the the joyful message of the Buddha is that these are this these are it's possible. This is the, the when the Buddha said the the gate to the deathless is open. It's uh, this is quite a profound and, and wonderful thing to say that that for the human being, the human individual, there is this possibility, this potential for realizing the deathless. The the pure state of being, the the uh, the non-self, uh, where there isn't, where suffering uh, ceases, where we no longer uh, act and do and think and and believe uh, in the same way that we did when we never questioned, when we only operated from the ignorance that we acquire, the the conditioning we acquire through ignorance. So we can say that the, the the modern world, this sense of the modern world, is it's uh, something that we we sometimes never question. And uh, in, in itself, the perception of the modern world, uh, what what are, what does Buddhism have to offer the modern world? What why is it that uh, say for such an ancient religion? Uh, for such an old teaching that that this particular uh, teaching is being discovered or rediscovered in the world at this time, uh, just the the significance of the fact that that in the past fifty years 
the the amount of interest uh, in Buddhism, Buddhist meditation, uh, has increased enormously and worldwide. Uh, and it's not because of some, you know, fascination for exotic subjects or interesting religious approaches. It's because uh, of the direct addressing of the of the basic human problem, which is uh, ignorance and the desires and the suffering that we create out of this ignorance. And this ignorance is isn't uh, you know is is this is the ignorance of attachment to the conditioning of the mind, the thoughts, the the emotional habits, the the unquestioning identity and judgment uh, of the of what we think and what we feel uh, in terms of a personality, in terms of a self. The Buddha directly pointed at the emptiness of mind, the silent mind, the or the the state of just pure attention. And these are these words are are ways of of describing or trying to describe what is really indescribable, something you have to realize. Uh, Because uh, the more we try to define it and think about it, describe it, the more complicated and uh, difficult it all seems when it's really basically very easy and very simple thing to be able to do. It's very basic to, to our lives. Just the awakenedness of the mind the attention and the awakened state of being. The, the modern world uh, is uh, based on what we tend to see the modern world is. We like to describe it in terms of its past and how it's evolved through various stages and, and uh, developed in certain ways. And now, and we like, like to give labels, interesting labels too, this present age, or this this century, or this millennium, uh, no doubt will uh, be analyzed thoroughly in in so many different ways, interesting, fascinating ways of of looking at it, both historically and anthropologically, and so forth. That that we quite uh, quite love to do these kind of uh, analyses, uh, but in terms of uh, you know what? What's really going on? What's really happening? What is the reality uh, of our lives at this time? Uh, it hasn't changed at all in terms of the the basic ignorance, uh, the the attachment uh, to the desires that arise out of that ignorance, and the uh, and the suffering that we create uh, due to those attachments and those habits uh, that tend to just uh, um, perpetuate themselves uh, on and on through our lifetimes, uh, going from one generation to another. <coughs> the uh, it's in- interesting to think that the the, the Buddha, uh, the, the Buddha that we uh, respect, is is the Shakyamuni Buddha of two thousand five hundred forty one years ago in India, which too. To most of us, in terms of our historical mind, seems very, you know, ancient, very long. It was long, long ago, two thousand five hundred forty-one years. Uh, even, 
even 60 years seems long ago to, to many people, uh, not to mention 2,500. Um, and so... Uh, the, the suffering of human humanity and uh, people that lived with the Buddha in India 2,500 years ago uh, and the suffering that we experience here in modern uh, Britain is, is the same is the same thing really it's the suffering uh, that's caused through ignorance the suffering that caused through attachment to desire uh, the uh, the loss of the love the endless irritations and frustrations of being with what we don't like, what is unfair and what shouldn't be, and the desires for things that we we don't have, and uh, wanting to get rid of, of what we think is bad and evil and wrong. Uh, the, the old age sickness and death that we identify with, uh, all these, uh, it's exactly the same for for all human beings, in the, this this suffering that the Buddha pointed to is not cultural. It's not a sense of of an age, of a time, of a civilization, but it's about our human condition that we share with all human beings uh, that have ever existed, uh, and that exist now, and that will exist in the future. The forest tradition itself is something that that um, that is a simplification and takes life down to its kind of basics of uh, in in a very good way. It's not a, an asceticism, a denial, and a rejection, and a kind of condemnation of sensual pleasure, or luxury, or beauty. Or, or or wealth. It's not. It's not. It's not condemning. It's not uh, as making no kind of value judgments, uh, and uh, and and as seeing these things as evil or bad, and we've got to get rid of them in order to become pure. That kind of asceticism, the Buddha recognized, uh, had no no. There's no possible escape from suffering if one attached to that view. Uh, of of asceticism, of self denial, of of self torture, of humiliation, of uh, of uh, just trying to to kill your desires or or make yourself uh, you know so uh, you know so try to live force yourself to live in a in a way that you feel uh, 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 that you're denying all the the uh, temptations of the world because um, that is another kind of desire, the desire to deny, to get rid of. Uh, it's a, it can be a very self-righteous kind of energy to, to really despise uh, the, sensu- the sensual world, to, to despise the wealthy and the powerful and the uh, people living in luxury and to See uh, and to to really look down on and and condemn uh, these kind of uh, uh, worldly experiences. And at the same time, it also makes one feel, uh, you know, rather better or superior. So asceticism on that level can does reinforce uh, the sense of a personality of me 
uh, and and my state of purity and my state of holiness as being better than somebody else's. So that that's not the answer to the to the problem. Uh, then the other extreme of of just uh, going out uh, the kind of modern. Uh, uh, liberated approach to life of the 60s of just go out and experience life to the full, you know, try everything and completely kind of glut yourself with all the sensual pleasures of every kind uh, and just just for the sake of experience, for the excitement, for the pleasure of, uh, of sensory experience and uh, self-fulfillment. So those are the, the extremes the gamma sukalikana yoka, the uh, the extreme of sens- sensual indulgence and attakinamatanu yoga, which is the self-denial and and the uh, asceticism. And so the Buddha uh, pointed to the middle way, the matimabhatibhata, which is uh, the way of neither indulgence or of denial or uh, rejection, but of awakeness, awakened awakening and looking into the nature of things. So the awakened mind then is, is looking at at the way things really are, the conditions of the present, according to their characteristics, like all conditioned phenomena is impermanent. So we we keep noticing, we can, even though uh, the, the modern world does have its uh, kind of emergencies and its uh, important issues and its... Pro- and its uh, urgencies, uh, all these kind of emotions that we experience uh, through uh, intimidation, through experience in the present, are also impermanent. So just by uh, paying attention to the feeling, to the, to the mood, to the experience that we are having now, the way it is now in terms of, of external uh, the external conditions or, or the internal ones, the, the mood of the mind, the, the emotional quality in the present, the, the thoughts in the present, the feelings in the present, the, the, the characteristic that they all share is impermanence there in this continuous changingness, this flux and flowingness that we begin to notice and make a conscious notation of change, that change is like this. It's not not a change. And a Nietzsche isn't. It doesn't mean to. It's not like a denial or a put down of conditions. It's just noting that they are like this. Conditioned phenomena is. is it has no uh, permanent core to it. No real uh, uh, permanent uh, and uh, essence or substance that they. Whatever it is, no matter how coarse or how refined the condition might be, it its nature is changing, yeah, and it goes from birth to death, from beginning to ending. Uh, so, in this way, we're 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 noticing, we're we're awakening the mind to the way it is, which has no uh, judgment. No, no, it's not criticizing, but just noticing. This state of pure attention, then, isn't a critical mind, but a an, an awakened noting ability that we have. Well, then this, uh, this allows us, too, 
transcend our, our basic assumptions of a self, our commitments to the world, our, our uh, fears, all our fears and desires, then as, as they are allowed to reach a, a conscious experience, we're, we can see them in their changingness and the fact that they change and that, they're, they're, that when you really uh, observe them in the, in the, change, in the, in the state of change, that, that sense of them being personal and mine and, and uh, problems and issues and great difficulties that whole way of of uh, thinking and of of uh, believing tends to to disintegrate and disappear and we we see that's not really the way it is and so we 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 no longer uh feel any need to take sides or to or to uh, just endlessly try to to create perfect conditions and try to uh get rid of the bad ones and, and create new ones and better ones and improve and develop and uh, endlessly on the conditioned plane. We have much more sense of, of relaxing, of being at ease, of, of rejoicing in the goodness that we experience and the beauties of our lives and in the uh, uh, radiance of life and the goodness of other other beings, we can we can find a sense of joy and of rejoicing in that which is true and and beautiful and good, and that which is dark and ugly and foreboding and frightening. And that we we learn to uh, no longer uh, react to out of fear and and resentment and disgust and and hatred, but we. We learn how to patiently accept these conditions because they're also changing. So that that our life is is finding a balance in this state of pure attention, rather than going up and down with the with the successes and failures, the happinesses and the sufferings uh, of the conditioned realm uh, that we all have to experience uh, in this form on this planet. So the, the the modern world uh, isn't uh, isn't really the problem. Materialism isn't really the problem. Um, human um, greed or human uh, degeneracy isn't the problem. Uh, we're not, uh, you know, pollution and and uh, political institutions and and. Um, any any kind of blame that we're pointing to from out you know as something out there either god or the devil or the or the or the, some political group or some uh, economic group or some racial group or ethnic group or religion or whatever that those, those perceptions are no longer uh you know have the impact that they have when we're ignorant, because we see them merely as as conditions of our mind, not as 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 that not something that is ultimately true and real and has any lasting quality, or is that or is really uh, a, a kind of permanent and obstructive problem. It is the ignorance that we have in our own minds that tends to to support 
those kind of biases, those prejudices that inevitably lead to some form of of um, exploitation or or uh, genocide or or some or you know uh, an endless kind of uh, anger and resentment towards uh, other groups, other races, other people, other institutions—the ri- the poor hating the rich, or the or the uh, working class and the middle class and the upper class and the the southern the world of, of uh, the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere and the developed and undeveloped and the first, second, third world countries and all the rest. These perceptions then no longer have the same kind of solid, permanent reality that we give to them that, uh, when we have never challenged and never uh, and, and still operate from this basic ignorance. Because uh, we began to recognize the real problem is, is our own ignorance. That uh, in terms of someone else's, there's very little we can do about that. We can't make somebody enlightened. But we can be enlightened. We can see things in the light, in the true light of the way of the way they are, the way it is, and therefore the uh, when when they, because we have this great gift as human beings, uh, we we and because we have forgotten it, most many human beings and probably most human beings have have forgotten who they really are or their their potential as human individuals. Because they've been so bound into a various uh, limited personality views and cultural biases and prejudices that they they have no no perspective beyond those distortions, and so experience for them is always distorted and corrupt in some way, very narrow and and filled with fear and anxiety and worry. Uh, about oneself or one's group. So, the awakened mind then isn't is is universal. We, we, when we're getting to the point of awakened awareness, we're getting beyond uh, just personal uh, sense of personal awakeness, or uh, you know, me uh, as as an awakened personality, or. Or, or even we're transcending even our own religious convention, even Buddhism itself. The conventions of Buddhism are, are you know, are also conventions, and have, uh, and if we just attach to Buddhism, we we end up in the same, di- creating the same difficult problems uh, about ourselves, about other religions, and uh, and uh, seeing things always from a very limited. Uh, and distorted perspective, so, so that it's not a matter of attaching to Buddhism or becoming Buddhist, but using the Buddhist convention to uh, awaken the mind to the present, to free the mind from this ignorance, from this basic delusion, and then we are in touch, or we have. Are in that state of awareness, we are at that point of pure, pure of universal purity. It's it's a oneness. It's a completeness. It's a, it's the enlightened mind that is universal, isn't it? So it's beyond any personal claim or any personal perception.
So this is realized in in our practice, and in the forest tradition, the the uh, the emphasis has always been on simplicity, like to to learn to live in a way that uh, is very responsible for, uh, in, in, uh, like I've described before, mo- being moral and and being one who only takes what is necessary, what one needs uh, for survival, and to be able to relinquish, to share the rest, what is extra with others, not to hoard up things for oneself, not to uh, think of oneself first, but to to be able to trust in the goodness of humanity, in the in the generous heart, uh, the, uh, the 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 spiritual aspiration of all human beings, and of course the cynics might say this has been very naive, uh, um, because you know it seems like it, you know like being a Buddhist monk here in England, uh, one could see it as as kind of like a naive approach of just coming into a European country that, that is not Buddhist and and thinking that uh, you're you know that you you're going to survive in the same way that you did in a country like Thailand uh, and in truth uh, that's what happens the the in terms of the generosity and the goodness that that we tend to generate in our lives here in England that that this is uh, it works very well here that that in the 22 years that I've lived here in the UK, the four requisites have been supplied in abundance in regards to food, shelter, uh, robes uh, to wear, and medis- medical uh, treatments for sickness. That uh, there's always been really a very uh, there's an incredible generosity, uh, and this is not because we go around kind of begging or or kind of. Uh, Intimidating anyone into into trying to provide for us, but it's because people uh, we do the the Buddhist monk, the Buddhist samana does it does seem to have this this ability to to reach that part of of many human beings, awaken them to the their own goodness and their and the, when they begin to understand what our aim is, what our purpose is, why we are Buddhist monks, why we have, uh, li- why we do live in this way, wear these robes, shave our heads, and and live as alms mendicants in, in, a, in a Western European country, uh, they find that quite, many people find that very inspiring and very wonderful because um, the, the cynicism that tends to dominate the intellectual world of Western Europe this time is quite insidious and quite believable. I think it's very important that uh, that uh, human goodness, the potential for our goodness, for our generosity, for our ability to to spread, to be kind, to be loving, to be to, to and the joy that comes out of. A life that that isn't based on selfish indulgence or gain. Uh, people need to see that this is possible. It's not just some uh, naive ideal or some romantic image of a of a holy person, but it is within the human uh, potential, and that that it isn't something uh, all that difficult or all that uh, far away from us.
of course, if nobody ever bothers to do it, if if no one ever tries, then of course uh, that that confirms the the cynics of this age. Um, but uh, for those of us who have put forth the effort uh, in this life uh, to live in this way, then that, that means also that that, that we have a, a kind of knowledge that that uh, and a trust and a faith in in our Buddhist path. Um, in the way that we've developed our lives within the uh, restraints of uh, traditional Vinaya and Theravada Buddhist monasticism, and as we've learned it through the uh, uh, Thai forest tradition, that uh, that it does, uh, you know, it has so many benefits and so many, um, and it's so useful and helpful a tool toward cultivating and uh, developing awareness uh, in our lives in a way that we would probably never think of uh, if we were just left to our own devices and we didn't have uh, this kind of tradition here uh, ready to use and, avail- and available for us. The uh, forest tradition can seem, even in Thailand or, uh, or in Sri Lanka, for example, forest monks tend to remove themselves from the society, uh, and uh, and then uh, in that removal, it's also uh, like uh, you know some kind of condemnation of society. And I remember, uh, you know, when I was a younger monk, a young monk in Thailand. We always used to look at Bangkok as, you know, an impossible place to practice meditation. Uh, and that if you're really going to meditate, you have to get out of Bangkok and, and live in the, in the forest monasteries or in, close to nature. And so this, this kind of perception also can be, can be one of the limitations of, of the forest tradition, uh, binding ourselves to, to the uh, perception uh, of the forest is where you get enlightened, uh, and the city or the town as being the place of where you can't uh, can't practice. But I found uh, through the the practice of the Buddhist teachings that that the and this this kind of ongoing investigation of of emotional experience in the present and of opinions and views and attitudes. Uh, that one uh, uh, tends to produce in one's mind, and by really uh, noticing and observing their impermanent nature, of just recognizing impermanence rather than than trying to get rid of views and opinions or making some kind of judgment uh, or condemnation or value judgment about them. It's the mere act of, of attentive awareness to the to the flowing impermanent nature of conditionality that that we uh, break through uh, any biases any assumptions we might make uh, good or bad or whatever and uh, to where then it's not a matter of of the place or the conditions that we that we depend on but the, the, we find our refuge in this state of pure attention, pure awareness, 
which is possible anywhere, is not dependent upon being in the forest, and is certainly not, uh, uh, you know, impossible in the in the middle of Bangkok. Uh, it's uh, it's a matter of just being being awake and aware in whatever place you you happen to be, whatever time that it happens to be. So, uh, uh, you know, we we do we oftentimes accused of being escapists. Uh, ones who, who kind of uh, turn their back on the world and go off and live in caves and like hermits or people who, who can't really cope with modern life and, and are kind of like dropouts, social dropouts, and, and uh, escaping from the realities of life in the real world. Um, but that's how it might look to a worldly mind that that is. Conditioned through ignorance, but in terms of of the realities of it, of course, I've found in the forest the monasticism uh, that uh, you're not escaping anything really. You're all, you're having to confront the realities of your mind all the time because you 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 do not have the convenient distractions that you you'd have if you were a lay person. If you if you had a television, if you could just uh, you know, distract yourself, eat and eat, or or ha- go to parties, or uh, have a social life, or go on adventurous outings, or you know, do things that that distract the mind that are quite normal for for lay people. But say forest monks, we are very much uh, left alone in times where we're experiencing great despair. Uh, doubts, uh, endless doubts, and and fears, and and uh, oftentimes incredible rages and anger rise in our lives, in in in, in our monasteries, or jealousies, or or really strong attachments to people or to things. Uh, these, these the funny thing is that we the the desire to attach, we're attached to whatever is available, whatever we can have, we tend to to get very attached to it. <coughs> so it's not like we're get, getting out of these these things, but we're actually kind of compelled uh, and it, it compelled to really look at attachment because it becomes so obvious in this life. It's so kind of a simple and basic and raw that that there's no, you know, you you really need to look at it. You, you know, it's like right in your face. You know, it's not something that you you can easily escape anymore. So, in that way, because of that simplicity of life and the the uh, restraint of it and the renunciation and uh, of uh, this. This kind of monastic life that that helps, like a like something that really holds you from from giving you the opportunity to to endlessly distract and go out and in, uh, into other things and go on to other things that go on to other things. You're more or less forced to look and at what what you are feeling, and and to be able to look at it in the right way, in the way of what it really is, rather than uh, in uh, the through the worldly attitudes of self. 
So this uh, this uh, means that uh, that the forest tradition is a challenge. It uh, it definitely challenges the whole whole uh, <coughs> loaded uh, assumptions of modern life. All the all the uh, conceits of modern Western of the Western world of of uh, European civilization of uh, of American of, of America as a superpower as any any kind of racial attachments any kind of ethnic attachments or religious ones uh, any position we might take on on the conditioned realm uh, that has come out of any form of Cultural conditioning, or social, or educational conditioning, is then is then reflected upon. You're seeing it in terms of what it is, rather than than kind of grabbing, selecting this and that, and then then trying to to uh, uh, create a, a, a world view uh, with the, with these perceptions that you that you've uh, chosen and which you've committed to. Uh, and which uh, tend to distort uh, and definitely distort the the experiences of your life to where even if you come out with some kind of brilliant theories and and receive all kinds of uh, international prizes you still uh, will not escape the suffering of your life you you'll not be able to be free from from those delusions till you look at them and recognize them and see them in terms of Changingness of flux of movement and of that the, that no matter how <coughs> personal or how important or how uh, you know uh, convincing they might be in themselves, they are changing. It's this changingness that we're we're beginning to look at and recognize, rather than than committing ourselves to the the quality. Or the quantity of the condition, and it's not doesn't mean the that we don't notice the quality of the quantity, but we're no longer putting our interest into that sign of it because by observing the changingness of it, we're, we're looking at it in terms of it, what it's really what it's doing right now, the way it is right now, rather than than the uh, important message and the uh, critical. Or the 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 crisis that that it's uh, conveying, or the the uh, urgencies and the and so forth, and, and the the screams and and the intimidations of the world are then put in a context where we can we can uh, accept them and and recognize them, but no longer be caught in just habitual reactions and. Uh, and uh, being overwhelmed and uh, taken over by conditioned phenomena. People do ask, and even I sometimes wonder about the future of Buddhist monasticism in the, in the, uh, in the West or maybe in the world in general. There's still so many uh, things, like even in Thailand, a country with, with so many monks, so many monasteries that uh, people can be quite pessimistic. Thai people can be very pessimistic about the 
their religion because they see so many uh, kind of corruptions and and of course the the corruption the scandals and the the bad monks and so forth do make the news and the, the mass media love to report the the follies the the uh, sleazy tendencies of Buddhist monks or the the mistakes they make because this is what seems to be what news is all about these days and and uh, of course modern uh, newspapers do not report about the do not find that the the good monks of Thailand, the enlightened monks of Thailand, are, are headlines. You know that's not that's not really news. Uh, where a bad monk that does something atrocious and corrupt and dishonest uh, can easily get become a headline, a headliner for the for the day. And of course, this convinces us uh, the, of you know that Buddhism doesn't work, or that it's that it's falling apart, or that it's uh, um, you know that Thailand uh, is falling apart; it's becoming degenerate, and uh, we can easily kind of form a, a you know, uh, a position from noticing all the mistakes or the things that aren't right or good about Buddhism in Thailand at this time. <coughs> and but of course, that is not the way it is. That's a perception again. It's a you know, we can, if we take everything that's wrong in the world and just just think about that, then the world does seem totally hopeless. We end up just feeling completely depressed and despairing about our humanity and the world, the planet, and all the rest that we just see only through the the flaws and the the misery and the corruption and the meanness of life. And so that's one way of looking at life through what's wrong with it. But then the human mind can also reflect on the good things of life, what is good, what is true, what is beautiful. And we can remind ourselves of, of, of you know, that all human beings, no matter how corrupt or how uh, evil or criminal uh, we might become, we still have the, that basic human potential and there is a part of us that still is kind and still has its moments of of goodness and uh and, and this is for most human beings uh uh that that this is something to to bring into consciousness quite deliberately Re- recollect the fact that that this human aspiration humanity aspires towards the divine, towards the ultimate, towards the what is true, what is honest, what is good, uh, towards uh, enlightenment. Uh, and so that this this is something to to rejoice in in our humanity, that, that, that to bring this into to consciousness uh, helps helps us all to to remember that so that we're not caught in this terrible, depressing, pessimism of this time and we have a way to reflect on that tendency to see things only through what's wrong to to be able to see well what is right both about ourselves and about the society and the world that we live in and then beyond that to really awaken to life to see the conditioned realm to investigate it to notice it to uh, 
to reflect on it and to feel it. Uh, uh, and then uh, through that, we we release ourselves from its uh, from the the tendency to to be influenced unnecessarily by the conditioned world and to realize the deathless or the unconditioned reality of the present, which, as I said before, is the ability to awaken, to be to sustain that awakened awareness in the present. Uh, to me, this is the, the greatest teaching, a very direct, very clear uh, and very accurate teaching of the Lord Buddha. Uh, and that uh, is something that, uh, that uh, you know, was presented to us 2,500 years ago. So it's not, it's not like a new age religion or a new discovery in modern evolution of of humanity at this time, we now evolved to where we are suddenly discovering or realizing these ultimate uh, potential of humanity. But this was realized long ago, uh, but it's easily forgotten, and we can easily forget it ourselves in daily life. So the the important thing is to keep remembering it, like with meditation. So much of it is to remember, to recollect. To bring into consciousness, isn't it? To notice, to to observe, to remember, to to recollect, to compose yourself in the present. These are the the words we use for describing meditation practice. To relax and to trust, and to to um, uh, in in the Dhamma, or to to learn how to trust ourselves. To awaken in the present and to to realize that this is something that we can do, something that is very basic to our human karma and the the great asset, the great gift of our humanity, is the fact we can can awaken out of ignorance. We are not just helpless victims, lost in an, in in the momentum of ignorance, but we can awaken now with this sense of immediacy. Uh, this presence now is is uh, the emphasis uh, that the Buddha uh, made in regards to uh, the practice of meditation. So this is uh, uh, the the forest tradition. Uh, I see is is like a thread that the, that goes through time and somehow managed to survive through 2,541 years uh, and it uh, it has its moments of development and moments uh, where it seems to be lost or hardly recognized but it, it, we realize that it has sustained itself through the, through uh, two and a half millenniums already and that it uh, and that and that it's uh, still you know a, a, a visible and 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 pure form of monasticism that uh, that is still present in the world, and that it then it does integrate into Western society. It's not like uh, something totally ridiculous uh, and totally useless in in modern context. Uh, and it's learning to, and so it is like an offering to the modern world. It's like a a gift that we that we that, that we can offer the simplicity of our lives, 
the morality of our lives, the dedication of our lives, and the realization of our lives, so that the the modern world uh, then is 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 being blessed, is being encouraged, is being developed in the right way, rather than just uh, the endless uh, kind of uh, material developments and endless kind of um, uh, manipulations of conditions that that we tend to get involved with uh, until we end up destroying ourselves through our own cleverness. And then this this is like a the the Deva Dutta of the Lord Buddha, the old man, the sick man, the corpse, and the the samana, or the uh, the monk, or the uh, bhikkhu sitting under the tree. Uh, this is like a the archetype, the there's the fourth Devaduta that now seems to be developing in countries like this in in the United Kingdom, which before uh, we had never really uh, had very much influence from from uh, say Buddhist monasticism, and now which has a a living, vital, and and very visual presence in the society, say here in in England. Uh, and also as it spreads uh, through, say, Western Europe to Eastern Europe and and through the United States and Canada and countries like Australia and New Zealand, uh, how far it goes, I have uh, you know I have no no idea. But at least the say the forest tradition does have this uh, has preserved this kind of purity of practice and this emphasis on simplicity and. And the encouragement to live in an exemplary way, in a very good and peaceful and beautiful way, uh, and to trust in the goodness of humanity for one's basic needs, such as food, shelter, and clothing, and medicine, and then to to be open, to be available, to be uh, you know to the to the members of the society that you're living in, to learn to. To respect them and to to encourage what is good in the society and to to uh, encourage those who do feel some kind of spiritual aspiration and some kind of interest in 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 Buddhism and Buddhist monasticism uh, to to be there as a as a kind of encouraging friend and force uh, for developing uh, universal harmony and and. Uh, and a, and a sense of unity and oneness uh, with humanity, rather than being some kind of divisive uh, religious sect or uh, a cult that that uh, is oftentimes uh, in the West is is very, people very much frightened of these cults that tend to to come into society and cause enormous problems and divisions. Well, the first tradition is not that kind of thing. It is. It is here as, a, as like a gift, like a something that, uh, like Thai foreign aid, maybe where uh, this, this comes out of Thailand. Was Thailand's great gift is its forest tradition. This is just my my uh, way of reflecting because it, it has been a great gift to me, and I can see that that it has a something that <coughs> offers something, a quality, a, a, a an emphasis 
and a truth that that has been lost and, and has been forgotten in in the Western world. So I think this is a this is a something to 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 begin to to contemplate and to to see that that it's not some archaic institution uh, that's on its way out, but has great potential and is a great uh, and could possibly have have tremendous uh, influence uh, in the future for future generations.